What a group of kids. That's amazing. So good to see you all this morning. Uh, my name is Travis Lefford. I'm a uh, prospective elder here uh, coming on to serve later on this year. Uh, I have the honor this morning of reading our, our scripture this morning. Uh, we'll be reading from uh, uh, Philippians 4.8. Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, and if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. The scriptures are as relevant today as they were then. Amen. Thank you, Travis. Good morning. Everybody doing okay this morning? Good. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, if I haven't met you, uh, my name is Dallas. I really would love the opportunity to meet you after the service and get to know you a little bit better. Uh, let me tell you where we're at. We are in our second week of our dwell series and last week we looked at the same verse Philippians 4 8 and we we defined that word dwell that it means to ruminate it means to provide depth of understanding to something it means to chew on to think about and bring back up over and over and over and Paul is saying essentially in Philippians 4 8 dwell in what is good and in the next verse he says you got to practice the things that he's taught to us like like dwelling in what is good practice those things and then that's where the peace of God comes from, is dwelling in what is good. Now, today we're going to just take that very first part of what he says to dwell in, which is whatever is true. Now, we live in a time frame today where we have so many different freedoms, and yet there's also so much bondage that people live in. Things like sin habits, things like anxieties and pride and and needing to perform, right, and people's perception and all these things. And, and you really could be ruler of the entire world and live in bondage. Or you could be in prison somewhere and be as free as can be. Because Jesus says that it is the truth that sets us free. Truth is the great equalizer. And that's why Paul, in the book of Ephesians, when he talks about spiritual warfare, the very first thing he says is put on the belt of truth, right? Because if, if you don't have truth, you have no foundation. The other weapons would go in the belt. So what he's saying is the foundation has to be truth. Otherwise, everything else is built on something that's not reality. And then here in Philippians 4, 8, I think it's no coincidence that he says the very first thing to dwell in is what is true. Now, why is truth so important? Why is it that truth sets us free. Well, let's define what we mean by truth before we go any further. Truth is reality or the way things really are. See, like, just like we talked about last week, when everything starts in the mind, if the mind is not set on what is actually true, what is actually reality, the way things actually are, then the entire foundation is off base, isn't it? And I think that many of the problems that we have stem from our lack of understanding or embracing the way things really are. For example, if you don't understand that you're loved without having to prove yourself to be loved, then what you'll do is you'll, you'll go your whole life trying to prove yourself worthy of love. And that will impact all your decisions. And you'll go and you'll search for it in all these different places, which ultimately is going to lead you into bondage once again. But understanding the reality 
that there's nothing you could do to earn love. God just extends his love to us. Now you're focused on reality, what is true, and you have a foundation to experience freedom that he offers to us. And that's the point here, right? We have, ha- have to have a foundation, first and foremost, of dwelling in what is good. And man, what's so astounding to me is that God gives such grace to have the embodiment of truth be revealed to us in Christ. See, Christ is truth. Christ is reality revealed. Christ is the way things really are. And so for the Christian, we embrace that reality. Remember when Jesus says, take heart. And why does he say that? Because he's overcome the world. He is absolute truth. He is ultimate reality. He is the way things actually are. So, when you lose a job, and as painful as that is, the reality still is Christ. Christ is the way things are. That's Paul's point here, I believe. When he starts it out by saying, dwell in whatever is true. He says, you've got to look through that lens. Whenever you look at any situation, you look at it through the lens of understanding the way things truly are, which is Christ being truth. So, for the enemy... To be successful, the first thing he has to do is manipulate truth. Get you to believe there is no truth or change your perception of what truth is. And then he can chip away at everything else and lead you into bondage. There's a film I looked into this week from the 1930s. It's a British film from 1938 called Gaslight. And I'm sure you've probably heard that term, Gaslight, but it comes from this film. And essentially what it means is to manipulate someone into believing a false reality. It is to move someone away from the truth. And that's why the enemy says in Genesis 3, did God really say? Because he wants to move us away from reality. Move us away from reality... And then everything else starts to take shape. Everything else becomes unraveled for us and takes shape for him. Get you to believe things like you need to earn your salvation. Believe that false reality. And now everything else, all your decisions come based on needing to earn something. Everything unravels when we believe a false reality. Now in this film, Gaslight, there's this man, he's a a criminal... And he finds out that this younger woman has an inheritance. She doesn't know she has an inheritance, but he wants that inheritance, so he ends up marrying her. And along the way, he wants to ultimately steal this inheritance from her, so he starts to try to make her believe things that aren't true. Make her think that she's going insane. Make her believe a a false reality, then he can make everything else fall apart for her. And then one day... There's a letter that she finds that reveals his true identity. And she reads it. And he says, no, no, there was was no letter. That's just your imagination. There's nothing to see here. In fact, it's really you, like something's going on with you. You're the one who's going insane. You see that? You see, change the perception of reality. And then he can get her to do exactly what it is that he wants her to do. And that's what the enemy does. And this poor woman, man, she starts to give in to fear and anxiety and hopelessness and all these things as a result because she believed a false reality. See, we have an inheritance 
And the enemy wants to steal our joy of that inheritance. And many of us have believed for so long things that just simply aren't true. See, if the truth goes, everything else goes. And the only thing you're left with is bondage. If truth goes, then bondage always stays. And many of us may be saved, but we continue to live into bondage. Because we believe a false reality that we have to prove ourselves. We, we continue to believe things like we need position or power to be esteemed or, or we need to have things our own way or, or we're just not good enough or we've got to do something to get in good with a holy God. And now everything is off base because we've started with a false reality instead of the freedom God wants us to live in. Now, the question a lot of you are probably thinking at this moment is, how do I know in my mind what is true and what isn't true? How do I know that it's God's voice and not the enemy's? Well, sometimes the enemy can use facts to make us be in bondage, can he not? Maybe you've just lost a job and that's a fact. And you think you're just justified to dwell there because it is a fact. And yet his ultimate goal still is to use whatever means necessary for you to stay into bondage while Christ wants to set us free. See, we have to understand something about what Paul is saying in Philippians 4.8. He's not simply saying, dwell on what is factual. He's saying, dwell on whatever is from the one who is truth. Now, that's a whole different thing, isn't it? It's dwell on him. Remember 2 Corinthians 10.5. We take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. Another way to say it is that we take captive every thought and make it run through the lens of reality. Make it run through the lens of the way things really are because Christ is truth. Christ is reality revealed. So everything that we dwell in has to flow from and through and to Christ. And so then the answer to the question, how do I know that something is from God or from the enemy, that answer ends up very simple at the end of the day. See, the ultimate uh, goal, the enemy's ultimate goal for you is your bondage, while God's ultimate goal for you is your deliverance from bondage. Believe a false reality, become enslaved. Embrace what is actually true, the way things actually are, ultimately experience freedom. Christ has come to liberate us from the bondage of sin, from the need for temporal things like anxiety and pride and all these things that hold us into bondage, Christ came to free us from those things. Now, not just ultimately one day, and, and praise God, ultimately one day, but now, in this moment, to live into the freedom He's already given to us. See, the enemy will use true statements at times, but only with the purpose of ultimately keeping you in bondage, while Christ is the truth who ultimately sets you free. John 8, 32 says, and you will know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Second Corinthians three seventeen says, now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Galatians 5, 1, for freedom, Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ, Jesus, from the law of sin and death. John 8, 36, so if the Son sets you free, 
you will be free indeed. And we could go on and on. The truth, the absolute truth, Jesus sets us free. So when we dwell in thoughts, we dwell in them through the lens of Christ. Through the lens of Him being ultimate reality in our lives. Now, I say ultimately sets us free because there are times where before there's freedom, there are things like mourning. There are things like conviction needed. There are things like repentance needed. You know, sometimes we've got to be like that Luke 19 tax collector who just beats his chest and says, God, I'm just not worthy, a sinner. See, sometimes repentance has to be there before there can be freedom. And it frustrates me sometimes when, when people will say, you know what, maybe God, God wants you to be free, so don't dwell in your sin. It's like, yeah, don't dwell there, but you do have to admit and confess and repent, and that's where freedom is found. And so sometimes people are preaching a gospel today that it's this weird grace that they talk about. It's like, don't even worry about your sin. But what's happening, though, when they do that is they're actually leading you further away from freedom because it has to be through repentance that we ultimately have that freedom. And so people will say, yeah, I'm just going to show grace. No, grace means you have to have the full weight of truth there and present so that you can ultimately live into freedom. That's grace. That's grace. Man, so many times we think, I just don't think about it. No, no, no. We've got to own it. We've got to own it. We don't dwell there because, again, what is also true is that Christ has brought deliverance from our sin. But we can't have deliverance from sin if we don't know that we need to be delivered from where we are. And that's the point here. We recognize our sin, we confess our sin, we give it over to God, and then we live into the forgiveness He has given to, it, to us. The truth is, I'm a sinner, but the truth also is that God made His way into the world as the truth, and He made a way for us to dwell with Him forever. We have to recognize the scheme that the enemy uses to, whether it's facts, whether it's outright lies, whether it's deception of lies, sometimes he gives you just straight facts to try to make you live into the bondage once again. In fact, he does this to Jesus in Matthew 4, 5 through 7. It says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. It says, If you are the Son of God, he said, Throw yourselves down, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. See, that's straight from Psalm 91. True words spoken from Scripture. And Jesus answers him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. So do you see what's happening here? The enemy wants Jesus to feel the heaviness of trying to prove his position. And Jesus' response here is, look, my position doesn't need to be earned. My position just is. And so you don't have to put me to the test because I already am. And that's the point here. How often does the enemy say, you know what, I'm going to use even the scriptures. Man, he's done this to me. When I was going through panic disorder, time and time again, I would read the scriptures and I, I would actually feel more bondage in that moment. Because I fell into this trap right here. We've got to be a people of it is also written. It is also written. 
See, what we have to do is we have to look through that Philippians 4, 8 lens that says it is also true. Everything we think about, everything we dwell in comes through the lens of Christ. Christ is reality revealed. Christ is the way things really are. And that's so important. And that's why we have to spit out every thought that leads to a heaviness that's not a repentant thought. We have to spit it out right away and say, no, no, I'm going to dwell in what is true. What is true is what I'm going to dwell in. See, the enemy, even though he's using the scriptures, is trying to create enslavement. But while his statement is true, it's not even remotely the point, and it's definitely not the whole truth. So sometimes the enemy may come to you and say, you know, you're just guilty. And we say, yes, that's true. But it is also true that Christ has made a way for us to be with him forever. And he may come to you as you're a Christian and say, you know what, you're supposed to live a holy life pleasing to God. And then we can say, yeah, but it is also true that, that God has said he's pleased with Christ and we have imputed righteousness when we are in Christ. And so we don't have to bear that heaviness because God is already pleased with his son. And we live in that reality. And Jesus says, I give them life and nobody's going to snatch them out of my hand. It is also true. And some of us, it may be true that anxiety is debilitating, but it's also true that God's power is greater than that anxiety. And maybe some of you are dealing with heavy sin habits, and it also is true that, that repentance is found, uh, life is found through repentance in the name of Jesus. And so we have to be a people of it is also written. It is also written. Jesus wants to bring us into freedom. See, the enemy seeks to accuse while Christ seeks to advocate. In fact, Jesus almost never refers to the Holy Spirit as the Holy Spirit. He refers to him as the the advocate or the helper. Maybe some of us this morning have spent a lot of time dwelling in false realities that create bondage for us. Dwelling in things that are schemes from the enemy to keep you living in bondage. But at the end of the day, you know what is also written? Christ. Christ is written. So when that heaviness comes, you know, when when the enemy is tempting you to to believe a false reality, we can simply say, Christ. Christ is truth. Christ is reality revealed. Christ is the way things are for me in my life. We can say it is also written, Christ. Christ. That's why Paul says in Galatians 5 that it is for freedom Christ set us free. We don't have to go back to a yoke of slavery. We're not enslaved anymore. We are free in the name of Jesus. And man, some of you may come in this morning and there is some heaviness there. Maybe, I don't know, a spouse left you or you know, some serious, serious things are, are going on in your life. And yet, time and time again, you have just dwelled there. Dwelled there. And the enemy's got you. He's got you in bondage because of it. And now we can just simply say, no, no, I'm going to dwell in the one who is truth. I'm going to be free of dwelling in this because Christ is reality. So this morning, as we dwell in Christ, man, be set free. You're not enslaved anymore. You don't have to be a slave to these things anymore. Dwell in what is true, and we will experience the freedom he desires for us. Let's pray together. Father. Oh, we thank you for the truth of your word. I mean, it's just, it's just such good news. 
it's just such good news that we, that we just get to dwell in what is true. And I know there are people in here that even though you know, they've given their lives to you, that, that there's still a heaviness there. You know, there's just a bondage because, because the enemy's tried to create just a, a little bit of a deviation from the truth. There's, a, there's a, a false reality present that he's still trying to enslave us into. And Father, in this moment today, man, I just, I just plead with you. Call him out as a liar. Help us to see the true, genuine reality of the way things really are. We love you very much. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, the altar's open if you need to respond in that way. If you need somebody to pray with, I'd be happy to pray with you as well. Let's stand and worship.